Well, as you may have been able to tell, this week we have had a lot of great things going on at the church. It started Tuesday night when we had our PALS early learning program graduation, um, and that was a great event. Then on Wednesday night, our, our student ministry met for the last kind of weekly time on Wednesdays for the school year, and they talked about welcoming new students and helping include other people and let them know the love of God. And then on on Friday, we had something kind of interesting and different in here. The Prime Timers, that's the 55 and Up group, they transformed the worship center kind of into like a dance nightclub situation. Uh, there were strobe lights everywhere. I think we have a picture here. And they helped host 70 high school students from Luella and Hampton High School for the Students with Special Needs end of the year dance. And it was an awesome time, as you can tell from this dance circle right here. They were dancing for two hours straight non-stop. It was fun. And then on Saturday, we handed out hundreds of balloons at the Geranium Festival. It was hot. If you weren't outside yesterday, it was hot, but that was fun. Um, and then hearing, I mean, that's like the best preschool performance singing and dancing I've ever seen this morning, right? I mean, that was awesome. And then getting to bless our graduates and see them move into the future and the great things that they're going to be doing. I mean, the next generation has kind of been on my heart and my mind all week long as I've been moving through this week. And when I say the next generation, I know for some of you, like when you think of the next generation, you're thinking like Generation X, right? That's the next generation from you. Um, others of you might be thinking about Generation Y or even Millennials. And before you hate all Millennials, I'm a Millennial, so okay, just don't hate me to my face. Don't make fun of me. <laughs> Um, and then, but I, when I say the next generation, I'm really talking uh, about what's called Generation Z and Generation Alpha. Those are the kids who are now, you know, we kind of feel like they were born with an iPad in their hands when they came out of the womb, right? They know how to do all that stuff way better than us. I mean, these are the kids and the students who are going to be leading the next generation. They're going to be leading businesses. They're going to be leading nonprofits. They're going to be leading the church, and so I thought this morning it'd be interesting to look and see what Jesus had to say about the next generation. And it fits well in the series because what Jesus had to say about the next generation and about children in his day was actually kind of a bit unexpected in his day and time. And actually, when we hear these words from Jesus, they might come across as a little bit unexpected for you too, because a lot of times when we think of Jesus, whether you grew up in church or whether you don't really know much about Jesus, a lot of us kind of have this image of Jesus in our mind as Jesus meek and mild, right? And he's just petting a little baby sheep in his lap. Maybe you've seen that picture. And we think Jesus was just a nice guy who went around doing nice things for people who ask nicely for, for these things. Um, but when we come to this passage today, we see kind of a different side of Jesus. We actually see Jesus getting a, a little bit angry, actually. And so we're going to be looking at some of these words from Jesus today and what he has to say about kids, uh, about the kingdom of God and how to enter it or how not to enter into the kingdom of God. And so I want to invite up Carson Smith. He's going to be uh, reading our, our scripture for us today. Also, while he's coming up, I want to give a shout out to his sister, Maddie Smith. It's her 12th birthday today. Uh, so we got a lot of great things going on. Um, here it is. Um, so he's going to be reading from Mark chapter 10. So if you have Bibles, you can open up to that. You'll see the reference in your bulletin. And so we're going to read right there verses 13 to 16. The little children in Jesus. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the, di the disciples rebuked him. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant 
He, he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, truly I tell you. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the, ch- the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. All right, let's give him a round of applause. Thank you. So Mark, when he's writing about Jesus' life, he, he always kind of gets straight to the point. He doesn't put a lot of fluff around things. And so in this passage, we can see that conflict begins brewing pretty quickly when the disciples think they know what's right and they think they know how to deal with the situation a little bit better than Jesus. And so the disciples, if you're not familiar, there were the 12 guys who followed Jesus around, learned from him, sat at his feet, did ministry with him. And a lot of times they kind of acted like body men for Jesus. You know, they're kind of like, all right, Jesus, we need you to kind of keep moving down the road, keep heading towards Jerusalem. You know, they, they thought it was their job to kind of keep people away from Jesus. And so on this day, we learn that there were some people bringing little children to Jesus to be blessed by him. And now this wouldn't have been that odd of a thing because in their day and age, one scholar, by his estimates, estimates that 30% of children in this day died at childbirth. Another 30% died by the age of six from war, from famine, and from other things. And 60% of children born had passed away by the age of 16 because of the rough environment that they were living in and they were raised in. And so you can imagine if you're a parent and there's a, a religious person in town, maybe a miracle worker, you want to do whatever it takes to get your child before this man to bring your children to him so that he can bless them and so hopefully they can live a long time. After all, Jesus was blessed in the temple when, when he was little. Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. So these people are bringing their children to him. And when they're doing this, the disciples... What do they do? They begin rebuking these people and telling them, actually, you know what? You need to get to the back of the line. You need to get back. You know, Jesus doesn't want to deal with children. Jesus has more important things to do. He wants to talk with rich young rulers. He wants to talk with tax collectors. He he has to go be with the movers and the shakers of society. We need you and the children to kind of move to the back and to the margins. Now, when we hear that, we kind of think, wow, these disciples, they're so misguided. Like, why would, why would they do that? Like, I would never keep a child from Jesus. But you have to step back into their day and age and to the view of children that they grew up with in their culture, because really they were just reflecting their culture and the view of children that people had back then. Because back then, children weren't viewed with really much intrinsic value or dignity or worth. They might have had a little worth based on, you know, what they could presently do for the family around the house or on the farm or what they might grow up to do in ways they could support the family financially. But by and large, people treated children like they they weren't going to be around for a while. They were second-class citizens. They, They had no status in society. There was no honor. There was no dignity given to these children in their culture. So they're just reflecting that culture. And you can imagine in a culture like this, a lot of things were common. One of the things that was common was abortion and abandonment. You see, when a child was born, a lot of times they weren't received into the family until a father picked up the child into his arms. But if the father didn't want the child, maybe because it was a girl instead of a boy, maybe because it had a disability, maybe just because they didn't have the means to support a child, they would go and they would abandon babies in the wilderness during this day and age. It was an act called exposing them 
So they would go, they would put them out in the wilderness, and then some people might come by and take them, oftentimes for exploitation, or the children would pass away there. And this was a very harsh culture for children that children were growing up in. And so when the disciples see these children coming before Jesus, all of this stuff is in their mind. All of this stuff is flowing through them. And so they say, hey, get back. Jesus doesn't have time for people like little children. And it's easy to get judgmental on the disciples and think, you know what, they're, they're just not enlightened like we are. Right? They don't, they don't know the blessings children are. They don't, they don't know about all of this stuff. But, you know, I think it's important for us to step back a little bit. And before we judge the disciples, take a look at our own culture and how we treat the vulnerable, how we treat the weak, how, how we often view and treat children as well. Because while in some ways we, we've, we've made a lot of progress, in other ways we haven't. I mean, if you think about the disciples, they're keeping children from Jesus. They're keeping them back because in their minds, they, they really didn't have anything to offer Jesus. And so why does Jesus need to spend time with them? And a lot of us, we, we kind of view people like that in our society, right? What can they give me? What can they do for me? And if they can't give me something or do, do something for me, then we, we just kind of push them to the sides of our lives, right? I mean, this is why the homeless and, and those in poverty, we often kind of push them out of sight and out of mind because well, what can they do for us? Well, really, they're just a drain on resources, a lot of us think. And so we wouldn't say it, but we just kind of keep them out of our lives. We, we just look straight ahead and we don't think much about it. One of the reasons the disciples push the children to the side is because, you know, they didn't think they had much value. But in our culture, we often treat people based on the value we think they can provide to us or to our family or the future value that they'll offer to society. In Iceland, recently a geneticist proclaimed proudly that we have almost eradicated children with Down syndrome from our society. It's now about one child with Down syndrome in Iceland a year is born. The disciples, they kept, they kept the kids away. They said, hey, look, you know what? They're not educated. We, we need Jesus with the smart people. In our culture, a lot of times, we, we treat the uneducated and push them to the side. And we say, oh, you don't have a high school education. You don't have college education. You know what? There's, there's not much, much for you in our world. We, we think, oh, you haven't proved yourself. You haven't had any achievements. Well, children, students, you can't lead in the, in the church. Or a lot of times, we, we just kind of say, you know what? This next generation, like, they have different values than I do. I don't understand their, their hip-hop music, their electronic music. I don't know about these apps. I don't know about any of this stuff. And so we just, rather than, than trying to learn and engage, we just kind of disengage and push them to the back and to the side. We've come a long way in terms of, of human dignity and worth and the way we, we treat people compared to their day and age. But we still have a lot to learn from Jesus. And when we come to what, what Jesus says in this passage, I mean, he says this. It says he was indignant. Some translations say he was angry. And he says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. And I think sometimes when I read it quickly, I just think of Jesus in a soft, meek and mild voice saying, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them, guys. But I don't think that was his tone. He said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. 
I think he was serious. I think he was speaking with authority here. And then he says this. He says, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Those are tough words. And when we try to think about how to interpret them, I mean, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll kind of hear a sermon or interpret it. Well, maybe Jesus is saying, you know, okay, we have to become innocent like children to inherit the kingdom of God. But look, if you have children, you've been around them 10 minutes, you know they're not that innocent, right? They're not that innocent. They're, they're, they're stealing stuff. They're hiding it. You know, they're not sharing. You know, they're not that innocent, okay? We can, we can, we know. Maybe Jesus is saying here, okay, to enter the kingdom, you have to become such as a child. You have to become as trusting as a child. And there's some truth to that. Children are often more trusting than adults. They haven't been jaded. They haven't been hurt. One summer, I worked at a Christian boys camp in North Carolina. And we, you know, boys camp, you just run around with your shirts off, eat ice cream half the time. So one day, the kids are eating ice cream. And one is like, I have a tummy ache. He was about seven years old. And, you know, this wasn't my best moment, but I was just joking with him. I said, well, hey, if you take ice cream and rub it on your stomach, it'll make you feel better. And so he took ice cream, rubbed it on his stomach, and he said, Jonathan, you're so right. My, tummy, my, my stomach ache is gone. And then he ran on the way, right? Children can be kind of trusting. They can be kind of trusting, but I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at here either. I think Jesus is getting at something a little bit deeper. I think what Jesus is trying to get at when he welcomes these little children and he says, look, the kingdom belongs to such as these, I think he's trying to tell us that we don't enter God's kingdom because of who we are or what we've done. We enter God's kingdom because of his grace. We don't enter God's kingdom because of who we are or what we've done. We enter because of God's grace. You see, he's using children here as an illustration to illustrate that, that it's not our achievements, it, it, it's not our, our scholarships, it's not all the great things we've done, it's not our status, it's not because we've been to a lot of Bible studies. He's saying, look, it's none of those things that get you into the kingdom. Instead, actually, it's the opposite. To get into the kingdom, you have to come with your hands open, really with, with nothing to offer because the kingdom is a gift that I want to give to you that you receive freely into your life. Brennan Manning is a great author who wrote a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. He says it this way. He says, Jesus isn't suggesting that heaven is a huge playground for infants. Children are our model because they have no claim on heaven. For if they're close to God, it's because they're incompetent, not because they're innocent. If they receive anything, it can only be as a gift. And Paul, writing in Ephesians chapter 2, picks up this idea of a gift. And he says, look, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this, for it is a gift from God. Salvation isn't a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. See, so often we, we want to earn our place in God's kingdom because that's how the kingdom in this world works. Right? We have to achieve to get status. But God's kingdom is different. It doesn't matter how many Bible studies you've been to or 
how ethical your business is. It doesn't matter if you've already gotten your life cleaned up and if you've been just kind of a straight-laced kid all your life. We don't enter the kingdom because of any of those things. Jesus said if we come trying to enter the kingdom based on our own merits and based on what we've done, then guess what? You will never enter into it. Instead, entrance into his kingdom is a gift of grace that he offers freely to us. It's not about what we've done. It's about what he did for us on the cross. It's about what he did for us on the cross and it's about his resurrection rising from the grave. Through his work, we can have salvation and all we have to do is to receive it freely as a gift. Like a little child with our hands open and nothing to offer. Yesterday, a number of y'all were at the Geranium Festival and some of you stopped by the booth. Others of you were, were, were handing out balloons. And, um, you know, it was fun handing out balloons to the little kids and to see their different reactions when they walked by the booth. Because some kids, you know, would walk by the booth and, and they were kind of skeptical, right? They were kind of looking at the booth and they were thinking, is the balloon really free? Or do I have to, like, you know, sign up to join your church or, like, come to an event or something. You know, they're kind of walking by, they're kind of skeptical, and then, you know, you call out to them, you know, like, no, no, it's really free, and it, you know, it's a little back and forth, and finally they take the balloon. Then there are other kids, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of curious. They're like me when I go to the mall in the food court, walking by the Chinese restaurants. You know, I'm kind of looking curious, trying to get a sample. You know, they're, they're looking at the booth, they see the balloons, and they're kind of acting like they're interested, but not too interested, and then, you know, you engage them, and they take the balloon, and they're happy. And then there are those other kids who they see the sign that says free balloons and they walk up and they're like, hey, I would love a balloon. And then we say, what color do you want? These are for you. And then they, you know, we give them an orange one, tie it around their wrist, and then they just receive it with joy. And they just keep walking down the street with that balloon for them, with them for the rest of the day. And I mean, that's an illustration of God's grace. And how it comes to us. I mean, yesterday we weren't discriminating against people when they came to our booth. There was actually a lot of adults came requesting the free balloons. And we're like, hey, you know, that's okay. This is for people of all ages. Whether you look like you need a balloon or whether you look like you're desperate for one or whatever, we were happy to give them a balloon. And that's how it is with God's grace. It is a gift that he wants to give to all of us. It is a free gift. There's nothing we do to earn it. There's nothing we do to deserve it. There's nothing we can do to repay him for it. All he asks us to do is to come with hands open and to receive it and to walk with him all the days of our life. And Jesus, after he kind of drops this truth bomb on them about the kingdom and how you have to enter it like a child would, he then receives the children to himself. He lays hands on them and then he blesses them. And as Jesus welcomed these weak, vulnerable children, what he was doing is he was modeling God's welcome for each of us. And while the disciples didn't get a lot of things that Jesus taught and they were kind of confused on some things, after Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven, this is one thing that the disciples really did understand and they began to take to heart. 
That because God had welcomed them into his kingdom freely, they too were called to welcome other people into their lives and into God's kingdom as well. And so the early Christians, they, they began living differently than others in their culture. They began collecting uh, collections, offerings for the poor. They began reaching out, not just to Jews like them, but to Gentiles, saying, look, the good news of God's kingdom and his grace is for all people. They began starting hospitals. And some of the early documents we have from historians, even as early as the year 100 and 200, said, look, the Christians are doing odd things, like they're going around and they're collecting children that have been exposed and left in the wilderness, and they're caring for them in the church and raising them themselves. Christians throughout the years have reached out to people as they were coming out of prison and they're saying, look, God welcomes all of us no matter our past and we welcome you too. And that work continues today and that work that was begun so long ago is our work. This is why we have our early learning program here to welcome little children to the church and to say, look, we love you and God loves you too. This is why we gave out free balloons. This is why we welcomed the students with special needs from the local schools to say, look, God loves you and we love you too. This is why we're having the royal ball where we're telling kids, look, God reigns as king and you can be his royal sons and daughters. In your bullets, and we didn't announce this earlier, but we have an event coming up in June co-hosted with Street Grace. It's a night of awareness about domestic minor sex trafficking in our community. And we're doing that because we want to reach out in love to people who are vulnerable. We want to reach out with love. We want to seek justice in our community. And so we're going to be reaching out with love to people who are in vulnerable situation. God calls us to welcome all people because God welcomes us into his kingdom. And when we welcome other people, it's an outward invisible sign of the deep spiritual truth that we enter the kingdom not because of who we are or what we've done, but only because of God's grace. And now some of you know I grew up at Conyers First Methodist Church not too far down the way, and uh, I, I was a kid running around the church all the time, breaking stuff, stained glass windows. Thankfully, we don't have any stained glass windows here to break. We were doing all sorts of crazy stuff, and one of the things I love about the church is that the older generations really loved us and poured into us as kids and then as students. They supported us as, as we went around the world on mission trips, as we, we did all sorts of activities. And, and you know, it was like this church, there were those people who were kind of always around moving chairs, taking out the trash, unlocking doors, the stuff kind of behind the scenes that a lot of times gets overlooked. And there was this one guy who was always at the church, and his name was Todd. And Todd, he was just always there. And like, I just didn't think much about it until a few years ago. I went back to Conyers for a funeral, and guess who was there? Todd was still there. He was still there. He was sitting at the Welcome Center taking a break because he he now serves as the sexton, locking up the building and unlocking it and everything. And, you know, as a kid, I didn't have many conversations with him. But I said, Todd, I said, how did you come to this church? Like, what's your story? I don't even know. He said, well, when I was a kid, my parents moved to Conyers. It was a new community. And we moved right across the street here over to this complex. And as a kid who was new to the community, I didn't have any friends. 
And so I began kind of peeking through the bushes when I saw kids at the church playing. And, and one day he was peeking through the bushes and some kids from the church said to him, they said, hey, why don't you come and play with us? So he asked his mom's permission and he went over and he played at the church that day. And then they said, hey, come back. We have some great stuff coming up. And so he went back the next week and the next week and slowly he, he began to learn about Jesus and that Jesus died for him and that Jesus wanted to transform his life. That truth, that reality took hold in his heart. He was transformed and then he began to serve the church. And he began to serve the next generation. He began to serve children like me. And then I, through my time there, learned about Jesus about his free gift of grace. I received that for myself. Jesus transformed me. And, and then now he, he's called me to serve. He's called me to help reach the next generation. And this story is the story that God wants for you. He wants to give you that free gift of grace. He wants you to experience transformation and then to share that gift with the next generation. And I'll be the first to say that grace, honestly, for me, is kind of hard to believe at times. Because I'm somebody that I, I like everything to work. I'm a high achiever. I want everything to be perfect. And so I tend to think, you know what, I, I need to get my life right. Then God's going to love me. Then God's going to accept me. Then he'll forgive me. But God's kingdom works differently than the kingdoms of this world. God doesn't wait for us to get our lives in order before he invites us to enter into the kingdom. He invites us to enter in and then he begins to transform us. And grace is good news. It's good news for me and he wants it to be good news for you as well. He wants you to receive that gift and to receive his love. Let's bow our heads.